remember you were telling me about when you grew up here seeing people like Randy Weston and and uh, that whole the Brooklyn whatever you would call the Brooklyn kind of jazz scene back in those days I mean very very different Brooklyn than the Brooklyn of today yeah yeah well you know Randy Randy grew up around here mm. and uh, so did uh, Wynton Kelly when Kelly really? played, he played the high school he played the graduation um, in that school there at PS44 this was this was a school right across the street now to the mm-hmm. home station but uh, this guy named Lucky Innit who was a tenor player was you know telling me stories about Wynton uh, Kelly playing at the graduation and you know wow then there was clubs like the Blue Coronet which was on Fulton and uh um, like Nostra and Bedford Avenue, and that's uh, where I got a chance to see like um, Booker Irvin and mm. Woody Shaw. Even Miles came out of this. The story about Miles is that they chased him out, and he what? got in his Lamborghini and like <laughs> <laughs> took a shot at him or something. He said he's never coming back to Brooklyn. You know? I've said that a bunch of times. I did. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know this. So, Serious place. Yeah, last a couple of days there was a like a, on the next block. They're, they're filming a movie over here, and they've taken a block or and a half for a set, and they're re- recreating the whole set. I mean, like like Rock Ridge, you know, from Blazing Saddles. Oh, really? I and mean, they got like horse joint carriages. And, what? Oh my oh, god! I wonder what it is. Yeah, I, I should ask them what what they're doing because they're really doing it up. Yeah. There putting storefronts in front of it and big signs. Maybe I'll f- find out when they're uh, filming. I'll take my clothes off and run through it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> this block they're on, in fact, I was telling him, I said, man, I know there's a guy over there that has like four pit bulls and he sits on the, on the stoop, you know, and I was waiting for him to come out and like, you know, chase the horses all around. <laughs> I'll or hold another movie. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. <laughs> <laughs> or Joe Venuti with his violin bow, right? You hear that story about him? And no, he was no. on a show with Gene Autry. You know Joe Venuti, mm-hmm. right? And he he yeah. would do practical jokes like that. He was. I'm surprised you didn't know this story. He was on a show like a um, some awards show or something. Maybe it was even a TV show. And Gene Autry was there, and Trigger was backstage, the horse, mm-hmm. yeah, and he yeah. took his violin bow and rubbed Trigger off until his his lipstick came out. Oh, <laughs> then Gene Autry ran, rode the horse out on the stage. <laughs> That's a great. Now, I heard he was the one that did the, the, the bass thing. The bass players, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Bass players like he called up ten bass players on told tell him to meet him at Times Square at a certain time. So he was looking like from yeah, a, from a window. window. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's, that's great. Awesome. But um, wasn't that there a place here? Because I read like the whole like Max Roach used to come out here and play with those guys. Well, as, he's as from well. here too. He is right. Yeah, the Bed Stuy guy. One time when I was young, we played, uh, Pratt Institute had this. In fact, uh, uh, you can find it in, a, in the museum of, most things are online now, like footage. There was a show called Inside Bedford-Stuyvesant. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hosts were, um, well, I forgot who the guy was, but the woman was uh, Roxy Roker, which is, uh, she played on the Jeffersons. Yes. But Lenny Kravitz's mom. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So... We were in, in this workshop called Campaign Culture, and it was like um, uh, a lot of the musicians that were, it was a summer program, you know, summer workshops, 
and um, Melba Liston was down if you mm-hmm. heard of her. course yeah. yeah Melba Liston um, Renald Jones case played with Basie uh, that's why I met Benny Powell because I was like um, so this is in the early 70s this is like even before like 60 wow. uh, like 68 or something like wow. that wow you look good Curtis <laughs> <laughs> I know man hey I'm getting aging by the minute man I like even check myself because a friend of mine told me he fell down the stairs on like a subway on the subway stairs and uh, he's my same age and he's like he tore his knee up mm-hmm. so he was out of commission I was saying man you know I feel that that little you know like I gotta be cool you know a few extra seconds yeah, a few extra little, thought. little thing off there you know that's definitely some aging stuff going on there. Not Asian, but yeah, aging. Yeah. I know. Why do you have to talk about my wife's people? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> oh, man. Well, they low to the ground, so they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have my mother-in-law come in and take care of you. Yeah. Uh, they got some seven-foot cats over there now. They're over here now. Yeah, yeah over here. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I, you know, I'll talk about some of the clubs. There was a club also called the Baby Grand, which I never attended. Actually, I never m- made it in there, but I know that was kind of like an organ, mm-hmm. you know, scene. But uh, the Blue Coronet was pretty much full on, you know. Yeah. Only, but I caught that Booker Irving band, and... Uh, oh, he was fantastic. Yeah, and Woody Shaw was, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I guess he was in his early 20s or something. Sure, right, of course. Yeah. Booker uh, Irving probably was just coming off of the... Um, because he played with Mingus? Max Mingus, maybe. Mingus, he played with Max, Max, Max too. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a fantastic band as well. Yeah, wow. Yeah. But uh, this drummer named Billy Kay, you ever heard of him? I've heard the name. Yeah, he was telling me about the club here called Turbo Village, which is supposed to have been a famous club. Um, and uh, I, I was too young or whatever to know about. It. He said he gave Freddie Hubbard his first gig there, because uh, Freddie Hubbard used to live on Park Place. 919 Park Place, which was like a shrine. And the guy that I used to talk about a lot, we used to travel with this drummer named Fred Miller. It was kind of like a, he was a friend of ours growing up. And um, he started playing drums, like just to be in the crowd, you know, because everybody mm-hmm. was playing an instrument. And um, he uh, he really developed like really quickly, but he was, he was a mischievous guy, you know, so he used to always, find himself in situations, you know, so he ended up hooking up with Lewis Hayes, who was playing with Freddie at the time, because we used to go to Slugs, and Freddie would uh, be playing with this band called the Jazz Communicators, which was like Joe Henderson, Freddie, Herbie Lewis. I know Herbie Lewis from the Bay Area. He's a, from yeah, the, yeah, yeah. West Coast guy. When he was out here, though, he was, he was, lifestyle was an issue. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be up there sweating. I was like, man, this guy's really working hard, you know. <laughs> but Kenny Barron was playing, too. So we used to go there. Like, I remember going there at 17, the Slugs. And yeah. uh, we heard uh, Lewis Hayes and my friends. I was very bold. We said, man, I'm going to go up to Lewis Hayes. So if he, I can study with him, you know. So he went up to Lewis. And Lewis Hayes was really nice. He said, yeah, come by. So we'd come by the house. I'd tag along. It'd be like 919 Park Place. And Freddie was in the same building, and and uh, everything was like 
top end, you know. His wife was super fine, you know. Yeah. But Fred Miller was, like, getting it. He was really, like, you know, he's working it out. In six months, he'd, like, from him starting, he could play. And so he started to make a... He was very, like I said, bold. So he would, like, show up uh, to a gig and want to sit in, you know. After, like, playing for six months? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I still don't do that after playing for like 30-something years. <laughs> yeah, he was really, really full of himself, man. He felt, you know. Wow. Some people much, just have it like that, I guess. He actually uh, kind of got Alex Blake in the kind of shape playing playing jazz. But Alex was a guitar player. You know, we met, and he was playing upright electric baby bass, that Ampeg bass. Yeah, yeah. Because he's, you know, from Panama, and his father was a weekend musician, you know, would, would do gigs, and, um... Boom. Yeah, yeah, that... Right. That thumpy Love thing. That. Yeah, yeah, those sound so good. Brad Jones plays one of those. Yeah, Brad Jones. Yeah, those sound great. For uh, the, uh, Mark's group. Right? Yeah. Cubanos. Those guys over at the uh, Wilco studio, they had one. They had everything sitting around. Oh, there. really? I told you about that. Yeah, yeah, they... There's, like, those kind of people that they... They have, it's like, you know, they say, why do dogs lick their nuts? Because they can. It's yeah. like, why do rock stars have so many things, like instruments? and th- Because they can. <laughs> it was incredible. I had never seen so many. I told you there was over 200 guitars in there. Oh, and that wasn't even the stuff they travel with. Wow. Downstairs is what they travel with. Oh, the other God. stuff is up in the loft. That's what they call it, studio. It's crazy. Hey, well, anyway, I because digress. they can. Because they can. <laughs> It's like, what are you gonna play a different guitar every note? Ding, boom, 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 ding, ding, boom, ding. It's crazy, man. I, but you know, I guess it, it won't depreciate. Right? No, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah, it'll be worth something someday. Tom wants to depreciate. They depreciate the <laughs> second you buy it. Yeah, leave the store. I'm gonna sell this one, man, for a friend. The one sitting over in the corner. Oh yeah. Too bad I can't play, man. I'd buy that in a second. I have 10 bucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. One cat said, man, you can get $1,000 for that. Another cat said, oh, no, I don't think so, man. You, can, you know, seven, I'm saying, wow, well. There's a trombone. You can't get that much. No, but. <laughs> I'm saying, who can I sell this yeah. to? So, um, so the other thing, how did you get into the trombone? You told me the story about it. I mean, that was a pretty vanilla question to ask, but. Hopefully it'll yeah, set you yeah. off in some Curtis-like tangent or oh, some, yeah. some other thing. Yeah, right. I know uh, it was kind of like I really didn't know what the trauma was. You know, when they put the when they put us in the room for band class and they said, uh, who wants to play what instrument? I, I, I remember that they would assign your instrument if you didn't get picked. You yeah. Know? So it was like, okay, I think I wanted to play saxophone at first, you know. And uh, I was saying, well... I'll see how many hands go up. If the hands go up like crazy, then I don't want to be in that pool of people that are going to be assigned an instrument. And then I said, if I don't get that up, play trombone. You know, I don't even know. I just want to be different. Yeah. So when they said saxophone, they were like, all these hands went up. And then I said, okay, I'm not going out for that. And he said, trombone, my hand was the only one. <laughs> the other three guys were like assigned to it, you know, and they ended up sounding like it too. Yeah. I don't, you know, <laughs> so that's all I know a damn trombone that's something I didn't know anything that's I just awesome. want to be just want to be different yeah. my brother you know I have a twin brother and he ended up playing trumpet and we used to play for him 
my mother. I told her we used to play a bag with me. Uh -huh. you know, to book really bad times. Like, <laughs> mother be crying, the tears. <laughs> you boys play wonderful. <laughs> That's all she listened to was church music. But then oh. my father would have like Monk on, you know. Because he contrast. was the one with the record collection. He was right? the one, yeah. yeah. I remember we used to play Monk in the house and it used to be such a vibe. It was right. Like, it was almost scary, you know. It was wow. just like unsettling, you know. Yeah, when um, you're a kid, that's pretty deep music, I guess. And my mother was like, oh, she like she was just listening to uh, Mahalia Jackson. Oh, wow. That's in the song. Upper Room, this song. Yeah, sure. She had that on the loop. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah. yeah her that, rendition of it. Her yeah, rendition, yeah. So, you know. And then my mother used to take us to the church, not that far from here, where they used to have an evening, they had the gospel uh, radio show. So all those gospel quartets, that was my, obviously my favorite Get part. Get out of here. Like yeah, the Golden man. Gate Quartet, the Swan mm -hmm. Silvertones. Mm -hmm. and, uh, all those guys, Jubilees. Oh, wow. Singles. Like the Highway Q QCs. This guy, the guy, um, Reverend Townsley. In fact, his son, Nate Townsley III, is a drummer. I've heard of him. Yeah. 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 Well, his, yeah. his father was a little older than me, Nathaniel Townsley Jr. But the father was a singer. And the uh, son was the organ player in Townsley Jr. And... Nat Townsley III is a drummer. And you know, you see all these drummers coming out of the church nowadays. And they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they feel centric, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like chops of the law. It, it, it is. It's, it's hard. I, I definitely was shocked the first time I played with one of those guys. But that's changing, though. They, have, they still have those chopsy guys. But I think they got that out of their system, and now they're figuring out a way to... Because I've heard guys like that. Like, there's a guy, he plays with that group, Snarky Puppy. I can't remember what his name is, but he... Yeah, I think he, yeah. he, I somehow think he comes from that, if not from the church, then he at least comes from that milieu. But he's really good, and he sounds really good, and he feel his feel is really good. And he puts those things in the right places, at least on the stuff I've heard, you know. So I saw him on that, that video, is that... He's using his superpowers for good. Oh, yeah, 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 right, exactly, because they have them. I mean, oh, know, yeah. Oh, those yeah. guys are really like, it's like a whole school coming up. Totally, totally. You know? But uh, I did like that. They did a track where they had uh, Donny Hathaway's daughter. Yeah, Layla Hathaway. Like, who, Adam Dorn, my partner in crime here, you know I Dorn. Oh, yeah, he interviewed yeah. Layla for this. Uh, oh, yeah. Compared to what podcast, yeah. She's she's really good. Yeah, though. she's really good. Didn't she go to Berkeley? Or something? Uh, yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah. they, they well, were she, talking about that a lot. I won't flows. hold it against her though. <laughs> <laughs> she got one of the deepest voices, man. Great voice. Right? I love the range. You know, I had heard a few things that she had done, um, stuff with Joe Sample, and it. And then I I, I just kind of. I didn't discount it. It was just in one of those situations where you're listening and, and there's too many other things going on. So in my mind, I thought I had heard it, but I didn't. I went back and heard it. I was like, wow, she's really good. Mm -hmm. Like, not only is she, like, really insanely musical, but her voice, like, the range of her voice. And you don't hear, to, in my opinion, number one, she's a pretty singular person. And, yeah, she has the lineage and her father and everything. But all that aside, you don't hear female singers in the popular idiom 
singing in that range. Oh, nice, right. With that low, nice, yeah. husky kind of almost alto voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mavis Staples probably would be the last one that I can think about that really had that. Mm-hmm. You know, the wow, it's great. It yeah. feels good. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it's, feels good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> feels good. <laughs> so... You tell I remember, you remember I remember you telling us about your dad and growing up with the music and he had some choice words for you at one point and I remember it was a great story but I can't quite mm. remember what it was but you don't have to tell that story if you don't oh, want to okay. incriminate anybody <laughs> no I, <don't. laughs> I was trying to remember exactly something about it was his house and oh yeah <laughs> what was that, that wasn't doing the music story. <laughs> I was just him inserting himself uh, yeah. in his property and, exactly uh, the fact that I was like about seven feet taller than he was. Yes. <laughs> he picked up a chair and he went like this. He was brandishing it. <laughs> you just use brandishing and chair in the same sentence. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> but that was that was him, a little big man. And, but yeah, he had said that thing about this is my house. You yeah. Know, so well, I'll shit in the middle of the floor <laughs> if I feel like it. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was a wise guy. I didn't say anything. But I was like, you do that, you know. You asked me to clean it up, probably. (laughs) Clean that shit up. (laughs) Lazy, trifling, that's what you call me, trifling. (laughs) Trifling. That's one of your words, though. You've used that a lot. You've used all that. It's so trifling. Yeah, it kind of resonates in my my, my head there. It's very... The second you use the word trifling, it's like almost instantly you have like Victorian ruffles all over your body when you speak trifling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My father said smoking weed would make made me trifling. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so you smoke every trifling, yeah. Even though he smoked like every day. You know. Where you get it from? What do you think? Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. That's definitely. hilarious. So when did you when did you start getting into whatever I mean playing on the scene because I know you played you, you know people probably know you a lot for the lounge lizards and for the jazz passengers and for playing with Bill Frizzell and all the many other people that are on your resume your CV <laughs> is quite long and impressive sir but um, you know I'm sure there were because they, we're talking like that's like the 80s early 80s at the earliest so we're talking mm-hmm. there's got to be 10 years of your development here in Brooklyn and in Manhattan I mean what were what was the scene what were you pursuing yeah just like time? in the 70s and stuff <clears throat> who dares to call <laughs> somebody trying to call my wife you tell them what we are doing is very important. <laughs> we cannot we cannot stand such trifling behavior <laughs> yeah. from the outside world. Oh man. Well like coming out of well even in you know, to be honest with you, man, like the sixties I started playing with um Latin I was, I probably told you about the Latin soul Latin boogaloo scene. Oh sure. Were you playing with Joe Patan? Did you play with him? No, uh, he called yeah, did a I did tell you a story. It was like we were playing at the Red Garda, which used to be, I mean, the, uh, what's the name of the club? Uh, Mercer, and it's not no longer there. Villa, the, um, what club was that? Is it the Gate? The, is it, the... it wasn't the Gate, it was um, Bottom Line. Okay, the Bottom Line. But before line. it was the Bottom Line, it was the Red Garda. Uh-huh. So we had a band from, you know, they, that's how I met Alex Blake, actually. We were in high school, and I saw him, or I heard about him, as a bass player. So I approached him in the hallway of school. He was like 16 or something. 
I mean, he, he was bad back then. He was. Yeah, he was. He's bad. So he was just like Gillespie, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, before. Yeah, well, I don't know the accuracy about him putting his his, his chronology kind of gets. <laughs> man, I was thirteen when I started. <laughs> I was eight years yeah, old. Yeah, right. I stay out the room, man. Yeah. I was right after I was a dentist. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I let him go on about that, but I remember the chronology because sixteen, you really didn't know much about jazz. Um, Just mostly like the Latin gigs. You were Latin and all, and he he was uh, in the Hendrix on guitar. That's kind of informs his playing when he plays. You like, can hear it. You can hear absolutely. it absolutely, especially absolutely. when he plays electric. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when he's in that band, Astro Pirates. I mean, uh, G- um, Lenny White's band, mm-hmm. Fusion. I would listen to a tune he wrote called Galactic Beans and something. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Because I was thinking about that, would take me on another tangent. <laughs> but Alex came, he came in the band and really, you know, his, his, uh, Bass playing on on the Latin stuff, he really he really was nailing it. But uh, we started playing like local clubs, and there was a club on Fulton in Ashland called COCP, which I never knew what it meant. <laughs> COCP now it's a Crunch Fitness Center, oh, a, nice. a gym. But uh, we used to be in high school, and we'd be playing like the gigs there, and uh, like the next day, you know, you go to school, you're in the hall, and the same people you go to school with were in the audience checking you out. So we got, got a little um, some props. love. Yeah, we yeah, got some yeah. props from that. And then we then we ended up uh we ended up auditioning for, for like Columbia when they started to do the Latin Boogaloo stuff. And we didn't have what well, they wanted would have like Soul Boogaloo, it was always an English singer and there would be like a Latin singer. Right, right, <laughs> right. Like so, Pucho and his Latin and soul, soul brothers, brothers, or Larry yeah. Harlow. No, LeBron, a TNT boys, Joe Batan, who Joe was Batan. really, you know. Filipino, right? Filipino, yeah. yeah. I mean, but they seem to, to really, that scene, uh, what I really liked about that kind of New York and Bronx, Brooklyn kind of Latin scene, is they really seemed to embrace everybody who was musical. Oh, yeah, man. They but did. it was their thing, but they would, you could be a contributor. You know? Yeah. No, it was, it, was, it was wide open, man. Kind of like the jazz scene. <laughs> <laughs> The doors be closing. Clink, 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 clink. <laughs> I see cats like look at a dude like a club, and they play like about five notes, and the cats look at him like, "Put that shit away." You know, the vibe in the face. You know, what the hell are you doing here, man? I'll sit down somewhere. <laughs> no, they they were wide open. All these guys that were Joey Pastrana. There was a label called Coteek Records. There was kind of a spinoff of a, um, it's kind of roulette was the parent to okay. a few of those things. <clears throat> but there was a, what's that guy, Morris Levy? Mm-hmm. Morris Levy had somebody that was un, in his stable named George Goldner. And George Goldner was the producer. After we didn't get the, uh, we didn't get the Columbia deal because we didn't have a soul singer. I was like the talent scout. I went into a community center in the neighborhood, and there, was just, there would be this guy, you know, the black cat, who would be sitting there playing piano, and he had all these songs and shit. And he would sing. He could sing. So I said, man, why don't you come out to check our band? And so we adapted some of his songs to, to the, uh-huh. like the Boogaloo yeah. thing. 
<laughs> boom. And one tune we made like a soul, like Bolero, called I Can Never Hurt You, Girl. So we we auditioned for George Gona, and he was like, okay, yes, let's go ahead with this. So we go to the studio, Regent Sound Studio, because I was talking to Alex about that. Sure. Show. This guy, Bob Lifkin, who used to be Saturday Night Live's engineer. Oh, man. So he ended up having us run our tracks. And we didn't have any music. We didn't have any charts. Everything was just head. Yeah. Head arrangements from rehearsing two mm-hmm. times a week. And the name of the band was like the LSD Combo. <laughs> <laughs> Latin Soul Drive. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I got the record. I'll show you one of these days. Oh, I want to hear it. Actually, so this song, out of the... Out of the songs we all ran for George Golden, he said, oh, man, you guys don't have your shit together, man. Go home and practice, come back. So we come back, man, we do eight tunes in one session. <clears throat> First of all, the cat was doing, playing a head trip with us to get us so tight that I guess he didn't have to be using any more studio time. So we did the whole damn record like in one day. And then when the singer was doing, doing his tracks, the slow tune, I Can Never Hurt You, Girl, was like, Sounding good, I said. Man, this sounds good. It sounds like a hit. <clears throat> and when the shit was on, you know, fucking got home a few like weeks later, shit was playing on the Latin on radio. And Symphony Sid was, oh, really? he was a Latin guy. Wow. It was Symphony Sid and this guy named Dick Ricardo Sugar. And Symphony Sid and them used to do a, a week at uh, the bottom, uh, Red Garter. So we started getting that gig opening for like Eddie. We were getting like wow. $20, $20 a man. Yeah. We were a different pay scale. Well, hey, now it's $50 a man. Yeah. <laughs> How many years was that? <laughs> 30, 40. Right. Shit, that's a dollar a year. Yeah. <laughs> dollar a year increase. Well, anyway, that, that band, we started to get a, get a little thing together. So the two trombones, the, the horn I'm selling now is from the other trombonist that used to play. Oh, okay. Since he stopped. Uh Joe Batan had some guy come in and tell us and ask us, man, you know, Joe Batan's looking for some trombone players. Why don't you come out to the car? You know, the car. Yes. Yeah, so we go in the car. Joe Batan's not there. His eight track is playing his songs, you know. And we're sitting there, me and Lenny are trombone playing, and Joe Batan's not showing up. So we said, we got a break now from the set. We said, fuck it, we going back inside. You know? And that was like or a little chance, I guess, to play with Joe Baton. But he wasn't even there. He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't even, he was playing, hanging out or something. But we felt that we were, you know, we were on the rise, you know, it was, so we ended up watching that record go, you know, whatever, Puerto Rico, and we made $84, basically, a yeah. man. <laughs> well, not much has changed. <laughs> we're the only thing we saw, we saw like they made cassettes of it. We're looking through the window from the outside. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? He promised us. That. <laughs> oh, and then all the copyrights, except for the, the the guy that was that I met in the um, Billy Scruggs, who's actually a, turned out to be an engineer, the singer. He worked for CBS, and he's on Sly's Fresh album. He, is. he gets credited, Billy Scruggs, oh, wow. as an assistant engineer. But he was older than us. Um, he he had a copyright with his tunes. We didn't copyright any of our shit. So all the tunes that we all wrote. Morris Levy? 
Oh, uh, Cote Records oh, Publishing. Okay, yeah. right, right. We'll take that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, right. No, you idiots. Some Puerto Rican lawyer came in. Nobody and... told you? <laughs> we thought he told you. <laughs> oh, no. We thought the moose told you. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, so we broke up, basically. When of we did, course. When we went in the studio and did another single, and that's what I was thinking the other day, because guys were talking about going to get masters um, years later. You know, people find the masters. Yeah. We did this tune called Circulation, you know. It was like funk boogaloo. And we were like, oh man, this shit, shit was kind of cool. Yeah. Never heard that shit again because, you know, George Gona died. That's what happened. Oh, okay. We always say he died with our money and shit. Yeah, he took it with him. Took it with him. Wow. So, how did you get from there to, you know, whatever that knitting factory downtown scene? Did, what was the mm-hmm. route from there to that yeah, zone? I, but that's the beautiful thing about being a musician. You never know where you're going to end up. If you have at least a partway open mind, you're going to end up in some situations that you never would have dreamed, which is kind of the beauty of it, right? Yeah. That's kinda, you know, you meet all kinds of people. Yeah, you know? still going on in a yeah. crazy way. Like, <clears throat> yeah, um, it's funny because uh, I remember this... Uh, Trying to play Olu Dara. Of you know? course, I love I love his stuff. Olu, yeah. right? And his son is a. The he's MC. Nas. Yeah, 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 he's great. And Nas actually got married to the girl came to Khalees. She had a single out. You know, um, Khalees is this guy's uh, trombone player, uh, brother's daughter. Oh really? It's yeah, I got his flute in there. Wow. They sell his flute now. Kenny Rogers. Small world, small world. I don't know. So. Uh, why did I say that? Oh, th- what happened was the the uh, when Carter became president, I was like, okay, in the seventies, I was just hanging on doing gigs, even working like day jobs. Like my son was born in nineteen seventy five, so in fact, I remember one month I couldn't even pay the rent, like one hundred fifty bucks. And Alex Blake called me for to play a gig at Richard's Lounge in um, Jersey. I don't know if you know. Save my bacon, but it was also a funny gig because. Greg Bandy and this cat used to play with Miles was playing keyboard. Cedric Lawson, Cedric Lawson. <clears throat> he was kind of out there, right? So that tune that I was singing before, Alex started playing that. Dum, dum, dum. The cat Cedric Lawson was on organ. He jumped off the organ into the middle of the stage and did a split. <laughs> <laughs> and did like jackknife, you know, jackknife. He was dancing. Everybody was saying, what the He got ahead of schedule on his medication. Yeah, oh, definitely. Oh. It, was a, it was a meds issue. That he was, <laughs> and it was like out of the blue, man. But everybody had whispered about, you know, this cat on the road with Miles, running naked in the hall, all yeah. kind of shit. So, <laughs> but that song hit him, man, and he just couldn't take a hold of himself. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but those were the gigs, like, that are kind of like I was doing. And then I got... Um, wind of this program called the Cedar Program, which was Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter had a, a funded the arts. Imagine like 19- that. Yeah, imagine that. A president? He's like the last one he's thinking of. Clinton didn't even do that. Yeah, I think if Obama tried that, they would they would actually, that would be just too far. Oh, that yeah. would just be taking it too far. Yeah, they would kick the door in. With, yeah. You know, AR, Oh, my God. So he did that. You could imagine how that was taken. So it was like, You'd work for a, under the umbrella of a like of a arts um, 
an arts program. Like in our case, uh, it was Jazzmobile. Jazzmobile. Right, right. Yeah. You told me about that. So, I'm sorry, so, explain it. Sorry. So yeah, I was you know lucky. When I first went to to audition for the gig, I remember I was so nervous I couldn't even hardly play, and I had to play in front of Curtis Fuller and uh, somebody else. Needless to say, I didn't get the gig. But a couple of months later, a trumpet player friend who got the gig, the gig turned out to be all kind of political stuff. Yeah. It was a bunch of nuts and alcoholics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Billy Patterson was there. You know him? No. Spaceman? No. Guitar player? Well, anyway, Hamiet blew it. Oh, I know him, of course. Yeah, so they had a real yeah. mixture of people. But later, they, the bass drum on player left to go on the road. So I ended up getting the call from my friend saying, man, Kurt, come on down, man. Emmett left, and if you could play some bass trombone, which I couldn't at that point, <laughs> she said, man, you got the gig. So this other trombone player was selling a bass. So I took the bass and I started to go, and Ernie Wilkins was was um, leading the band. He was like super nice guy. So I went there and started playing bass trombone, and I got the gig, and I was like, wow, this is like, my first kind of job, you know, it's like a job you play for like, we actually played for Jimmy Carter, opened the labor department. Building. Really? Yeah, I remember doing that. And we'd play for like public um, spaces and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So that kind of got me a little bit stable. Gotcha. And then from there, the trumpet player, uh, one of the trumpet players that got hired, this guy Rick Albany, got the gig doing the uh, Big Apple Circus. Right, the circus gig that you circus did. Was, I forgot about that. The circus was my, my lead into uh to Roy Nathanson. Roy, of course. Roy was my lead into uh, the lounge list. Got you, okay. And, and then, then Ralph Alessi and all those Ralph guys. Ralph Alessi was game. there. What was the story Kermit, about Kermit Kermit Driscoll, yeah. yeah. What was the story about some clown named Dope or something? Oh, yeah. He got into a fight with oh. someone who was sleeping with someone's <laughs> wife or something. What was the deal? The ring master? Yeah, it was all, it was sorted, man. <laughs> but Ope, you know, his name was Ope, but we put the D in front of him. Dope, just to add a little more zing, too. <laughs> so the bass player was this guy. He used to play with Spyro Jaya, um, Dave Wofford. Oh, okay. He was in the, in the early bands. I've heard of him, yeah. So... We're playing and stuff, and you know, half-mindedly, because you know, you play that same repetitive. And then I hear the bass is gone. There's no bass anymore. I'm like, what the hell happened? I'm looking down because we were perched above the, you know, the axe were coming. Right, like the elephants and all yeah. that stuff. And you look down and you see uh, Dave Waffer separating the clown and the ringmaster. <laughs> <laughs> He's left the bass up there because the fight broke out, and he was the one that saw it first. And, you know. <laughs> He's trying to we, save the gig at that point, I guess. Right. Huh? And the gig, and then, and then like, after he cuts, like the cat says, uh, the ringmaster straightened his tie. Get that clown off me. <laughs> 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 that clown tried to kill me. <laughs> Dolph has that little hat on. He's all pissed off. <laughs> I said, you can't make this shit up. <laughs> Why? Did, what was the, the clown was mad at the ringmaster? The ringmaster was the, was the director of the, okay. of the whole thing. And he was, you know, he, he pushed buttons, you know. He was a right. big button pusher, you know. So he must have louded him. His thing totally blew up. His thing ended up, and he got into the thing with his wife you know, having affairs, and, you know, that blew up on, on him. But Dolph, you know... Uh, he just went on his merry way. He would, you know, he liked the wine. He'd, <laughs> he'd be sipping. 
That's a great. I'd love to have seen that. Oh man! I could. The only sto- other story I have like that is when I was in high school. I used to do a lot of blues gigs around the Bay Area, and this friend of mine said, "Dude, I don't know if you want to do this." He was he was older. He was like in his late twenties, you know. He said, "But there's a gig at a nude beach in um, just south of San Francisco. It's a nudist beach. You you can wear your clothes." Um, but every you know everyone else will be naked. It's the drummer's gig. So this drummer was this cool guy, man. He's like five foot two, and he was like <laughs> naked, playing the drums with some Converse All Stars, <laughs> uh, and and um, and these everyone was naked. We were playing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, these guys is like these not very attractive middle aged guys with big beer guts and everything. A fight breaks out. They're like playing ball, volleyball nude, and all of a sudden a fight breaks out. There's just this pile of like guys, just bah, 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 drunk <laughs> naked totally guys. Nude. Oh. It's so ugly. It was really it's it's burned itself permanently <laughs> into my, onto my retina. You know, <laughs> that would be horrible. Woo. So oh, I man. guess so. You met Roy Nathanson there, and yeah. then you guys created really the Jazz Passengers together, yeah. right? Roy. Um... Roy brought me in to uh, the Lizards first, you know, because uh, John was kind of reforming the band. I think the band before before we got in, Mark, uh, Mark Rebo, E.J. Rodriguez, myself, and and uh, Roy all came in the band together. Gotcha. In fact, when we first came in, Tony Garnier was playing bass. It wasn't the young guy, Eric Sanko. Do you know Eric? I don't know. Uh, well, and that's what it became. It became um, uh, Eric Dougie Brown. Dougie, yeah, I love Dougie's. I know, he's great. Yeah, and that was when Dougie was, you know, when Dougie was Dougie. Great, I, yeah. I loved it. I saw him many times, man. Great. So that was interesting um, to do that. That was my first trip over to Europe because I had been, um, I don't know, I was kind of leery about. Taking the you know whatever gig I wasn't being offered a lot of gigs once in the seventies in Europe, but Alex Blake would remember he left high school. He took the school bass to go with Sun Ra, <laughs> <laughs> and he was writing me letters. But like, that bass had no idea it was sitting in that band room all the time. It had no idea what awaited it. The teacher, one teacher said, "Oh man, bad man, don't worry about." It. The other teacher. Was like, where the hell that bass? He's <laughs> waiting for him when he got back. <laughs> but the other teacher was kind of hip, more like a jazz. I'm not Alex went for a month, and he write me letters like, I can't talk now, but strange things are happening. Same summer, I tried to grab his crouch. Oh yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I've heard the stories. Yeah. So anyway, um, the Roy Roy's uh situation actually uh he, when he got me in the band it had been a trombone player before but it was just trombone and sax uh just john and this guy peter zumo <clears throat> and uh when john reformed the band it was like a bigger band and that was my first trip to europe you know i remember going to brussels the first time i was like 35 wow because i had i had slipped away like one time, they had Abdullah Ibrahim, Dollar sure, Brand. Yeah, he put that. a bigger band together, and we went to the Chelsea Hotel, and we were like playing. I don't know if we were auditioning. Craig Harris was there, and I was there. I didn't know what was going on because he was playing these like little township like gaps. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you start the solo, he'd like go into like some more free out shit. I was like, hmm. 
Well, what was I supposed to do there? You know? <laughs> Craig, you know, just took the shit out. But I couldn't tell if I was auditioning or are we going to use two trombones because the guy wasn't saying shit. You know? So I kind of like backed away a little bit. Things, And then they went all to Europe. They took two trombones. So that would have been, that would probably have been my first trip. That would have been, yeah. But uh, that didn't happen. But the trip with the lizards was uh, my first time going. Yeah. There. I got to ask you, what? how did you guys connect with Debbie Harry? Was it from that record you did? It was from that, the record. It was yeah. from Hal Wilner. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, Hal's mix was, and match. Yeah, yeah, but that was a night. I saw that group on the tour with Debbie Harry, the Jazz Passengers. Um, Were you out in, Cal- in the Yeah, at Bimbo's. Yeah, I saw you guys Bimbo's, play at Bimbo's. Yeah. It was great. That was, awesome. was, was that a Knitting Factory tour? I think it was, yeah. Yeah. But Debbie was on there. She was. Yeah. She was great. I, I yeah. thought she was great, man. I think Debbie had a good sensibility. I mean, she's yeah. not a trained, like, you know. No, no. But you listen to that Blondie stuff, and that's really good. I mean, it's good mm-hmm. for, for that era. That's good music. And she sings well, man. Yeah. She's got good uh, musical choices she makes when she's playing. Yeah. At least I thought so. You know? And Roy, you know, put her through some difficult stuff musically, man. Some of his stuff is squirrely, you know. Yeah, no. So she, you know, to her credit, basically learning by ear, I thought she handled it well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, the jazz, the jazz passengers was interesting because we ended up getting uh, our first. First, we started playing duos, and um, it's funny because Roy had a friend that was flying like pot into uh, America. He's like, hmm. so this guy <laughs> ended up coming up with some bread and opened the studio on Renwick Street, right near the canal. Uh, Canal near the Holland Tunnel. Yeah. And uh, studio time was like pretty much available for Roy. So Roy said, Oh, just, you and me, let's go in there and just play some duos. So we started to play one of his ideas. And then we kept thinking about, Oh, that would be nice to add a so and so, add this. And then we ended up adding, you know, um, Brad. Remember, Brad was 24. Wow. <laughs> so must have been so young. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And Bill was. was Somewhat old, but they were all young. Yeah, 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 great vibes player. Bill Ware and adding EJ Rodriguez and um, Mark, because Mark sure. was, was doing doing the band then, and uh, this violinist uh, Jim Nolet. Yeah, yeah, I saw you with him. Yeah, psycho, but he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but man, what a what a you know, what an edgy edgy guy playing had a lot of edge. And that became the band, you know. And then we, uh, you know, we we worked that for a while, and then the vocal thing came up as an idea from how I guess through Hal and Roy, because we had made a few records before that time, and just like with no real singers, you know, like I would sing, and uh-huh. then, um, we'd have uh, we had this Italian cat who was like did a sing a parody kind of thing, but yeah, that was. That was a lizard, I, and I met. Funny, I met um. I met Bill through this cat Gunther Hempel, and it's really direct, indirectly through uh, Jerome Harris. Oh, Bill Frizzell. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I met Bill even before Roy. Because I met you on that um, when you were doing the tour with Bill Frizzell and Avon Kang and uh, Ron and Ron Miles. Was that when we were all jamming at, uh, in Molded? In yeah, Molded, with, uh, yeah, with the what was his name, the keyboard player guy. Yeah, the guy. That, who, well, who do you love? Um, 
Bernard, Bernard yes. Wright. Yes, yes. That was interesting. That was kind of cool. Jim, because Scott was playing. Yeah, I think I was playing bass. Yeah, you were playing bass. That was bass. fun, man. That was uh, a ball. Roger Byron, the cat that was playing with the sax player. Yeah. He was playing with, because they were there with uh, Marcus, Marcus Miller. Miller. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> In fact, I heard Bernard had freaked out on that tour. Yeah, that's what I heard, too, unfortunately. Yeah. He Talented guy. Very, very, but meds, meds issues, yeah. apparently, you know. But yeah, you know, so so Bill was subbing at this Gunther Hempel big band rehearsal uh, for Jerome Harris. Oh wow! <clears throat> and so that's then, in the eighties, like yeah, like eighty three, right, right. Like and when he came into to play, it was like the music was so dense; it was a lot of collective improv. So he didn't get a chance to really be Bill, you know. And I was like, wow, I didn't know him, and I just, oh, he's not playing on anything, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. And uh. Didn't have the space. He, yeah, it was no space. It was all dense. And we ended up going into Sweet Basil for two nights to record. And and Bill was on. Then I heard Bill and then, you know. Yeah. Because Smitty Smith was playing drums. Wow, Smitty and Bill Frizzell. Yeah, what? Bob Stewart playing. Oh, that's two, great. And they had a bass player. And uh, it was, you know, they made, they definitely made music, you know, out of whatever Gunther had going there. So I, I, Met Bill then, and Bill, I think, was, you know, I guess he's appreciative that I was, I was uh, like, sitting next to him, I was, whatever I was doing, you know, showing him what to expect. <laughs> yeah. You had a trombone, he was impressed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that, that was when I, I met Bill. And, you know, the whole thing with the Lizards was a lot around John Lewis, since John was such a personality. And they got kind of big, man, during that period that, that yeah. we, were, we were there. I know Bernstein, Stephen Bernstein told me you guys did a lot of touring. You were in Europe a lot at that time. When that meant something, when you could really go over there and it was like a thing. Yeah, you get a month touring and he was turning, one time he got... You can still get a month touring, but you'll there will only be three or four gigs in that gigs. month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to stay at somebody's house or something, find a way, you know. Well, yeah, that's kind of, and Bill's actually one that recommended me to Charlie Hayden. Oh, um, for that, um, for the, uh, Carla Blay liberation. liberation thing. Yeah. And that was interesting. You could imagine. I can all, who was in there? Who were you on the road with? Uh, J, uh, Javon Jackson and Graham Haynes. Um, Amina Myers was playing. Yeah, playing. I know her from her organ playing. Yeah. She played with Gene Edwards. She did really, wow. Yeah. She's out of, She's really from Arkansas, but I think she's Chicago. But uh, but she lived here. She lived in yeah, New York. She's yeah. in Harlem. She's yeah. still here. I think. And uh, who else was in that band? Um, yeah, you know, it was uh, the band before he took off and didn't do it for a while, and then when he reformed, um, that's when he had uh, the band with Steve Cardinals and Matt Wilson. Mm -hmm. You know. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's up, you know, build a thank for that. Yeah. Gig. And that takes me where? Well, where the hell am I? Straight to hell. Straight to hell. <laughs>